Blog Talk Radio. This is Jay Lethal, the undisputed champion of the wrestling world. John Sullivan. It's Babs Ayagbusi. Michael Thompson talking. It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. Xavier Rose. Charles Johnson. Psycho Killer, Kamasa Champa. This is Matt Blair. Thank you for listening to Sportscast Radio. Sportscast Radio. Welcome to Sportscast Radio. Talking part of the show, babies. Babies. I don't, why did I say babies? Yeah. Baby, Demetrius is in the studio again like he was last week for WrestleCast Squad. We are live, Sportscast Radio, June 26, 2018. We are going to have some fun tonight. We continue our AFC West coverage in about 10 minutes when we uh, when Thomas Welte, Welt, I always butcher their names, so I'm just going to call him Thomas when he comes on. Uh, from ArrowheadAddict.com, coming on talking Kansas City Chiefs football. We're going to preview the team, do what we normally do, offense, defense. When Jordan uh, swings through, if he comes on, he'll give you that defensive side of the football. Uh, 10.45 tonight, Chris Ransom comes back from DraftUtopia.com for his yearly NHL draft recap. I was going to say 2018, and then I already said yearly. I realized how stupid that sounded. 2018 draft. I also want to ask him, where does he think JT's going? Where do you think JT is going? Tampa. Yeah, let's go. Going to Tampa. When you told me that, I got really excited <laughs> for that. I mean, you would be a perfect fit, too, so I'm, I'd be totally fine with that. Oh, here comes a bushy man. Bushy man. A bushy man. Squat. Jordan in the house. Jordan, where do you think JT is going to go? Um, Minnesota. <laughs> is that was that just the answer because you didn't know who you were talking about? Yeah, <laughs> we're talking about good old Johnny Tavares, who uh, uh, told the Islanders that he is going to be fielding uh, interviews, and they let him do it before free agency. So, uh, Toronto, Tampa, San Jose, Los Angeles, and I think the Islanders are the the fifth team. So. I don't know. I'm starting to. You've heard it here first. I'm going to Los Angeles, too. I wouldn't wish being on the Sharks to my enemies. Dang. Like, just keeping it real. You saw the the memes. You know, the chokes are real, bro. Heck, yeah. You know, the the one that I'm really interested about, and I'm going to ask Ransom about it as well, but uh, I don't see why he goes to Toronto. I understand the you know the hometown thing, but if you're Toronto, you you got to pay William Nylander, Mitch Marner, and Austin Matthews. So you have to have money to pay all three of those guys. You're not going to have that money if you bring in Tavares. And also, if he comes in, he's going to be your captain. What message does that send us out to Austin Matthews? I don't know. So <laughs> you, know, you damn well know I'm I'm only I'm only here for playoff hockey. As soon as the draft hits, I. Uh, I don't know what the hell's going on as far as that goes. So <laughs> you start knocking out all these weird French Canadian names and 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 Eastern European uh, you know names. I, I'm lost. <laughs> we got a new get to know him tonight from Mr. Nick Hagberg. We'll be dropping on you a little bit later. Um, also, 
we uh, we got I got a spit take, Jordan. Um, Jordan Jordan may be with us for about half the show. We'll see. He may he may go through the whole thing. We'll figure it out. Uh, Demetrius is in though, just in case. Demetrius has a spit take too, Jordan. Whoa. Well, who who allowed Demetrius to start doing some prep work on uh, Sportscast Radio? <laughs> wow! So my man coming prepared for the cameos. So after the after the Chiefs talk, we'll definitely do some spit takes before we move on to the NHL draft coverage. Thursday's a big day. Belgium, they're gonna have a tough game with England. Harry Kane versus Roman Lukaku. Roman, Rom, Romelu Lukaku. Say that one more time. Romelu Lukaku. <laughs> Against I'm, I'm Harry Kane. I'm going to leave that alone. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Kane is uh, Jordan's favorite uh, football player. I, uh, I, you know, I just, I just think it's, it's he's got a, a double entendre of a name. That's all. That's, that's all I'm going to say. Double leave it at that. Isn't that a song in a song where the guy's like double entendre? Double entendre. I can't, like I, can't remember who, I can't remember who said that, but I know the song you're thinking of. It's in my head. Like, yeah, maybe, I'm sure he'll figure it out. Um, so we'll we'll definitely talk the little World Cup, but uh, NBA free agency, which has been on our talking point this whole couple weeks. In the words of Alex Mello, boy howdy, has it picked up with the LeBron James front. And I cannot wait to discuss some of the stuff that I heard uh, come out of Zach Lowe's uh, low post that Brian Windhorst brought up. And, oh, my goodness, boy, I'll tell you what, L.A. Bron, baby, let's make it happen. Uh, that was uh, Flo Rida, uh, by the way. Uh, it's going down for real. Double Alexandra. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's, Jordan be killing it. Jordan, get ready, too, Demetrius. A lot of times Jordan will sing on the lead-ins. So because that may happen, we're going to take our first break. Let Alex tell you about the FML Solutions. Coming up in a, in a week or so, we got a new offer from FML Solutions. So, so figure it out. Listen to it. If you haven't already got one, get on board because they are amazing deer stands. Be ready. We'll be right back. We're talking Kansas City Chiefs. Don't go away. Sportscast Radio. Great. Looking to get a head start on deer hunting season? Let FML Solutions point you in the right direction. Hi, Alex from Strong Style Media here, letting our listeners know deer season just got a heck of a lot easier. FML Solutions offer a fantastic deer stand that only takes 30 minutes to assemble and disassembles with no tools required. The best part, though, is its ingenious design allows it to double as a cart to haul your trophy back to the truck. FML Solutions is a made-in-the-USA product manufactured right here in Minnesota. Check out FML Solutions on Facebook by searching FML Solutions INC and visit FMLSolutionsInc.com to learn more about this innovative deer stand. Most people would consider this illegal. 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 What was mere vision suddenly became a reality. When you put a bunch of entities together and you bundle into one giant conglomerate. Baby, you get strong style media. My name is Ryan Cook. I'm the chairman of our company. And I'm here to tell you that each and every week, Sunday through Thursday night, we give you the best in radio. For boxing needs, standing eight count radio. For pro wrestling, we got WrestleCast. We got your sports knowledge covered with SportsCast. You like movies? The pop culture is where it's at. And for all your local hip-hop, so the sound radio. 
Make sure to subscribe, like, comment, rate, share, follow everything you got. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Radio Tune, and that more. We are Strong Style. Just respect my conglomerate. Just respect my conglomerate. Just respect my conglomerate. Just respect my conglomerate. You won't see these folks at the post office. They have businesses to run. They have passions to pursue. How do they avoid trips to the post office? Stamps.com. Mail letters. Ship packages. All the services of the post office right on your computer. Get a four-week trial, including postage and a digital scale. Go to Stamps.com today. Hey, Alex Mello here, host of The Pop Culturist on the Strong Style Media Network, inviting you to join myself alongside Half Pint's Kyle Adams as we discuss all the latest news and reviews in movies, music, and television. Check us out every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time here on blogtalkradio.com. Also, you can check out the Pop Culturist archives on Blog Talk Radio, search bar, Strong Style Media, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Play to hear all the eclectic offerings here at Strong Style Media. We are conglomerates. What are we looking at here? Lists all over the safety thing. Third-party background checks for drivers. 24-7 trust and safety team. Critical response line. All right, List, you can play at this game. What if we had a safe word? What about boba? No. What if you actually wanted boba? It's got to be more exotic. What's your wife's name? Oh, Barbara? Safe words, Barbara. <laughs> I like that. Okay. <laughs> We reppin' KC Mo, fellas and the ladies know. Let me tell them what the killers are, what the gorillas, the villains that get you when you disrespect us. Even the babies know, Technina's got crazy flow. We'll be giving the women the bullet, we sick of the haters, wanna pay us for the gifts, this record. This is important, we be... Sportscast Radio, we are back live. Thomas, you with us? Yeah, I'm here. Hey, Thomas. Good, good to have you. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself real quick for all of our listeners tonight. Yeah, uh, my name's Thomas Welty. I'm a contributor, a contributor with... Uh, Arrowhead Addicts and uh, just a huge Chiefs fan, so I'm excited to to be here and, and talk Chiefs with you guys. I'm, I'm totally excited because we had a very optimistic San Diego Chargers contributor last week, <laughs> and they were, when I say optimistic, I mean they were 12-4 and four optimistic, and part of the reason oh, wow. they were so optimistic was the deflated AFC West, as they said. Real mm-hmm. quick before we break this team down, is this AFC West as deflated and wide open uh, as as others think it is, or do you think this thing is going to be another tight race? Um, I, I would I would disagree. I mean, I know the Chiefs have gone through a lot of turnover, but you know, I was just reading uh, earlier today. It's been you know in the last uh, two seasons or you know, last thousand days, the Chiefs are sixteen and one within the division. Uh, the only game they've lost to a divisional opponent is uh, this last year with the Raiders. Uh, and, I mean, I think they're still the team to beat. You're back-to-back AFC West champions. Even with all the roster turnover, uh, they still have, you know, the best coach in the division, in my opinion. They've got uh, – and, and they've had – this isn't – these transitions weren't happening overnight. There was a plan here with Patrick Mahomes, and um, I don't think that he's going to struggle nearly as much as, as some of our, our rivals seem to think. So, 
Uh, obviously, I think that's the perfect way to, to kick this off. Pa- you know, it's the Patrick Mahomes era is officially beginning. Alex Smith is out in Washington now. How excited are mm-hmm. you to have this new gentleman running center for your team? Uh, I'm both, like when he got drafted uh, last year, I, you know, I was torn pretty much 50-50 on, on uh, Mahomes and Watson. And so, and I honestly thought that Watson was, was going to be the pick just looking at what Andy Reid kind of liked in his, his quarterbacks, more of a West Coast, more mobile, kind of that short, uh, short intermediate accuracy. And so when they drafted Mahomes, I knew that they, you know, there was something there that they really liked. And so uh, the hype around him has been absolutely unreal. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen a, a player – uh, at least since, you know, I've been paying attention to, to football uh, with as much kind of hype around him. Uh, you know, the, the GM, Brett Veach, called him one of the best players he'd ever seen. And, I mean, that's uh, – they've – you know, there, there's a lot of anticipation from the fan base, you know, being the first quarterback drafted uh, by the Chiefs in the first round since 1983. Uh, and so there's a lot of pressure on him. I, I There's a part of me that's a little nervous just because I think that the expectations are probably creeping up there to a little higher than, than what might be realistic. At the end of the day, I think he's going to do really, really well. I think that he's going to be a breath of fresh air in terms of the, the play style. I think he's going to make some throws that uh, we don't see many people in the NFL make. And so I think that'll be a little bit different from the more conservative offenses uh, we've seen with Alex Smith. And again, that's not that they're not effective or, you know, they put up plenty of points last year, but sometimes those, those big NFL throws that needed to happen still weren't there. Still were kind of left on the field. So I'm hoping uh, my biggest hope is that Mahomes is going to be somebody who can make all the throws, throws that are really uh, kind of more of that clutch factor. So one thing, obviously, that I that I got to turn to when we talk about you know him making the throws and him having his weapons. We all know rookies love their tight ends. You guys got one of the mm-hmm. best in the game. How's Travis Kelsey looking going into this season? Uh, I mean, he, like I said, he's one of the best in the game. You know, his his stats. I mean, Rob Gronkowski is, you know, he's up there in his own tier. But Travis Kelsey is, you know, he's producing as as close as you can to to be that number two guy in the league. Uh, at the position, I think that he's going to be uh, a really good. I mean, he'll just continue to do what he, what he's been doing. Sounds like he's healthy, ready to go. Um, you know, the addition of Sammy Watkins and, and getting some other pieces back on the offense, I think, are really going to help kind of open some things up underneath, so that he's not the only one. Uh, you know, really working the middle of the field. There would be some more options there, and they can move him around because uh, you know he plays. He lines up as a tight end, but he also you know significant time playing as a, as a big slot, you know, coming out, uh, out wide. So, you know, obviously you mentioned Sammy Watkins. I don't know if this is a fair assessment, but I feel like he's kind of the equivalent to what you guys had a few, you know, a few years ago with Dwayne Bowe as a nice big target that I think can go out mm-hmm. there. Does, does he compliment Tyreek Hill enough that they're going to be able to get, e- get each other open and make plays for the kid? Uh, well, I hope so. <laughs> I think that there's a there's definitely a uh, kind of a, a plan here. You have three three players who all have uh, really unique abilities. Uh, Tyreek Hill, you know, regardless of kind of what statistic or what measurement you use, is is pretty well you know accepted as the best deep threat in the league. I mean, you know, he's he's got speed and then some. Uh, Travis Kelsey is a weapon across the middle in the end zone. 
Uh, and Sammy Watkins kind of brings a little bit more of that big body receiver. He can move some more of those, uh, do some more of those underneath routes and uh, work the middle of the field a little bit more. But he also has speed and he can, he can play the deep pass. I think a big part of the reason that, you know, they went out and got Sammy Watkins was if you look back at the, the playoff game and with Tennessee, um, the Chiefs were doing really well. And then when Travis Kelsey got hurt, it really limited their op- options. And Tyree, uh, Tyree Kill is a good receiver, but he is uh, he's still developing and growing. He's, he's come a long way in terms of his route running uh, from when he was a rookie. But he's still developing and growing. Uh, not the biggest guy in the field. So, you know, he, he kind of has his role, and, and that's going to be his thing. Uh, and so when he's the only guy that you can look at, it really hurts the offense. So I think a big reason that we, they brought Sammy Watkins in was because they knew they needed more options, especially if you have an injury to either Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey so that you don't end up with a one-dimensional passing game. And, and obviously, you know, to hopefully not make it one-dimensional all along the ball, and you talk about pushing the ball, Kareem Hunt, mm-hmm. you see a sophomore slump, or does he pass that that a lot of these running backs seem to have and continue to make these great strides that he did last year? Um, if you if you look at if you followed him you know pretty closely last year if you had him in fantasy you know that kind of in the middle of the year he kind of actually hit a little bit of a slump uh, the whole team did really and he really struggled uh, to get some traction and get things going uh, it was about a five or six game span where he was uh, pretty well shut out some of that was was play calling some of it was just you know playing defenses that were good at, against the run so. Um, I think that he will continue to see a pretty consistent as a as a player. Uh, I don't know if he will have maybe as as many big games as he had last year. I mean, he started off you know white hot, and I think that was great. Um, you know, one of the things that seems to be forgotten, and, and it's still kind of a, a little bit of ways uh, away and maybe unknown. But uh, you know, Spencer Ware is coming back from injury, and he was a pretty good running back, you know, before he went down, and he was, you know, very likely to start over Cream Hunt at least to begin the season last year. And so when he got hurt, you know, obviously Hunt took over and ran with it. But um, I think getting Ware back will will end up, you know, kind of eating into his carries a little bit if, if Spencer Ware is healthy again. And and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think from a, a team standpoint, you you mm-hmm. want as many guys as you can to to run the ball and wear down defenses. And I think Spencer Ware will be uh, especially good in, in, that, as, in that aspect. So uh, I, I think he'll, we'll see similar production, but maybe not as much volume in that sense. Obviously, too, last thing I have on the offense for you is, you know, the, the O-line's a key factor here. Can they keep this, this kid Patrick Mahomes upright and give him enough time where he's not feeling rushed like some of these college kids seem to get because – you know, they don't have the protection they had before. Um, you confident in the, in the starting five? Uh, I'm pretty confident. I mean, we're turning four or five starters. You know, we, we lost, we lost uh, Zach Fulton and uh, in free agency. He was, he was actually, you know, kind of an underrated piece of that offensive line. Uh, he uh, played guard and center, and uh, he saw duty at both. But, uh, you know, we're bringing back – you know, four of the five starters, we've got good competition at the guard spot that they're, um, you know, that, that is kind of open for the taking between, um, you know, a couple different guys. But in terms of their, their pass block efficiency as a unit, they do pretty well. Um, I think this just had a, uh, a list on that. I believe that they were in the top ten. Um, 
And so they're they're pretty well at, at keeping things at keeping the quarterback clean and I think that will continue. Uh even in the AFC West with some really uh really scary pass rushers, you know, and Patrick Mahomes is gonna see a lot of that early. And I think, you know, a big part of that will be um you know, the way that the game, the way that they, they scheme and, and, you know, play away from some of those guys. They, I remember, you know, several times we'll see a play where they'll leave someone like Ron Miller unblocked and run the play, you know, to the backside and make him chase. And that's really uh, a good way to, to handle some of that. So I think that, that overall the offensive line will, will hold up pretty well. You know, uh, switching sides of defense here, obviously, uh, I believe you run a 3-4 there. You picked up uh, Xavier Williams off of uh, some free agency action there. Do you think he's going to make uh, that starting role there? I think a lot of depth charts have him uh, coming in on, on the front line there. What do you think? Uh, I think it'll be – I think he will be probably listed as a starter. I, I imagine, you know, on the – their whole defense changed dramatically this offseason. And so uh, I was pretty excited to, to pick up Xavier Williams. I think he's a guy who – um, you know, because of the scheme change in Arizona was, you know, they were going to part with him. Uh, he was kind of a role player there, but he graded out pretty well. I think that he will probably see the majority of the snaps at the nose tackle. Uh, if I remember, you know, from, from when they signed him and they had the interviews, it sounds like he's going to be more of a, of a one technique instead of a zero. So instead of playing head up on the center, he'll be playing uh, just off to the, off to the, the side. So um, that'll be a little bit different from a kind of a traditional nose tackle, which they usually play head up on the center. But I do think that he'll be the, the guy there. Uh, the Chiefs run a lot of, you know, nickel and dime packages. So he may only see, you know, 35, 40% of the defensive snaps. But I think that he will – I think he'll contribute in, in, uh, in the run game. So – uh, you know, I think obviously uh, NFL being a passing league, it, it really is, uh, at this point, you know, the D line will get you some good pressure, and that's kind of what uh, will stop the run and separate. But obviously, your secondary has definitely changed up a little bit there. Uh, traded away Marcus Peters uh, to the Rams. What uh, what do you think is going to be the 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 changes there, and the, as far as the uh, the cornerback uh, position goes? Yeah, um, and that was probably one of the most uh, confusing moves of the off season, and even, you know, as kind of different people have speculated about why Peters was moved and why he was traded and, and all of that, uh, you know, kind of a moot point at this, at, at this time, it, it's tough to, to say exactly what, how that secondary is going to turn out just because there are so many uh, unknowns. And we've brought in Kendall Fuller from Washington in the Alex Smith trade. Uh, you know, he's, he graded out as one of the top uh, inside guys in the, in the league last year. Uh, one of the top slot corners. There's still not a lot of clarity as to whether or not he's going to stay in that slot role or if he's going to be moved outside. Uh, another move they made that, you know, isn't, I don't think many people are excited about, but has some potential is, you know, they did sign David Amerson from the uh, Oakland Raiders. It was kind of it was before free agency began, he was released, and so he was a free agent. And uh, it sounds like they're going to let him start on the outside. So, He's kind of had an up and down career. They, we'll see how he does. They, the Chiefs run more man coverage than anyone else in the NFL, and so if you know, it may be that may be his his skill set may fit him well, and we might see you know somebody who kind of has a, a resurgence in his career there. Uh, he's a he's a bigger corner, so um, I think it'll be interesting. I do you know, and getting Eric Berry back, uh, you know, at the safety position will help a lot, just in terms of. Being able to 
move pieces around to drop more guys in the coverage or to, you know, put very over uh, over the top of a wide receiver, that kind of thing to, to kind of play center field more. That was a, that was something that really hurt hurt them last year was, was losing Eric Berry. He kind of, he kind of is the main cog that makes the defense work, and that's where we saw a lot of our linebackers uh, dropping into coverage, and that wasn't necessarily the best thing. So uh, I think that they, you know, the, the reality is the Chiefs had a, a bottom ten defense last year, and they were, you know, they were bad against the pass, and they were bad against the the run. Uh, so with all the changes that have happened, you know, in my mind, there's really not a whole lot of room to go other than up. So uh, I'm. I'm cautiously optimistic that they're going to see uh, an improved defense. I don't think they'll see the same ball production. Obviously, you lose Marcus Peters. He's one of the best in the game, uh, if not the best right now, at creating turnovers. So, and that that stings. But I think you, you know, I think that they'll compensate for that with uh, a defense that's maybe a little more um, consistent at forcing three and outs. No, absolutely. Marcus Peters has uh, five interceptions, four forced fumbles. Uh, last season. Definitely a, a piece that's going to be missing. Um, speaking of, you know, what I thought was kind of an interesting uh, loss there was uh, Terrence Mitchell to the Browns. Uh, he deflected a lot of passes, four interceptions himself. Uh, is that a position that uh, kind of surprised you being, uh, he was one of the younger, but uh, definitely a serviceable uh, corners in the, in the league? Yeah, um, I thought for sure that we would probably at least try to hold on to him. I'm sure, you know, there were some talks there, and I'm guessing the Browns were just able to offer him more money. The, the Chiefs' cap situation was pretty pretty tight, and, you know, they dropped a, a pretty big penny on, on Sammy Watkins. Uh, Terrence Mitchell is – he's an interesting guy. I really like him as a player. Uh, I, I'm not sure he is somebody I would want to start week to week. I think he's probably good as uh, – he'd be a really good guy to have as your fourth uh, your fourth corner where you can kind of rotate him in and out. You can, you know, if a starter goes down, you could put him in there and he could start for a game or two, but he does have, he does struggle a little bit against some of the smaller shiftier guys, uh, you know, struggle with speed, but uh, I mean, he was a good chief and he did well when, when we had him. Uh, I don't have anything, you know, <laughs> it was a kind of a bummer to lose him. I thought that we would bring him back, but I, you know, I think that, um, probably money was was a big factor there. Gotcha. Uh, you know, as far as unsung or uh, definitely underrated as far as uh, linebackers goes, nine and a half sacks for Justin Houston. Uh, it was eighth or ninth year in the league here. What do you think is going to be, uh, you know, his his motivation? Do you think he's going to be uh, somebody to try, try and get some uh, little profile behind him? Or uh, do you think he's just going to be a good anchor for, for you guys to have in that linebacker core? Yeah. Uh, well, and there's a lot of, you know, depending on who you ask and who you talk to, there's some people who, you know, of course, Justin Houston had, you know, a 22-sack season a couple of years ago, signs a, a big contract, and then he gets hurt. He misses, you know, really a one full season, but it was really half of two seasons. And he hasn't really produced, um, you know, necessarily on the, on the stat sheet the way that some people would, would want. But one of the you know, the elements I mentioned earlier is, you know, having our linebackers drop into coverage. And if you, you know, if you talk to Chiefs fans who have paid attention, one of the things that, you know, has stood out is watching Justin Houston drop down into his own zone coverage. And I think back to the, the playoff game event against Pittsburgh, uh, not this last season, but the, the year before, and watching Justin Houston trying to cover Antonio Brown uh, <laughs> in his own. And I, I'm going, now, what, you know, what on earth are you, are you doing there? I think that some of that has been because of the 
the change in the defense with some of the players being older, some of the players leaving. Um, Houston has had to take on more responsibility in a coverage role because he, he does pretty well as, as a cover linebacker. You know, not probably an underrated aspect of his game. Uh, you, know, you don't see that on the, the stat sheet as much. So uh, I'm hoping, you know, my, my expectation this year is that they're going to uh, end up sending him after the quarterback more. I think that we'll see a, probably a, a double-digit sack season from him. I think if the Chiefs are going to have any success on defense, they're going to need to. And they're going to rely on him to, to get after the quarterback. And um, I think a, a key part of that is going to be rookie uh, Dorian O'Daniel uh, out of Clemson. He's a uh, – they drafted him as a linebacker, but he's kind of a, one of those, you know, a, a linebacker-safety hybrid. And that's what they said. They're going to play him as a, as a money backer. He'll probably be a third-down guy who will come in and can play close to the line of scrimmage, you know, in case it's a run, in case you see the, H, the running back draws or the, the screen passes, he'll be fine there. But really he will be able to drop back in coverage and, and take over that responsibility and let Houston uh, rush their pass for more. So pretty excited about that dynamic and some of the other pieces they've added to, to kind of make the defense work. So, No, I like it. I like it. I, I think it's going to be definitely uh, an interesting uh, team to watch defensively. I think they're kind of middle of the pack last year, if I remember kind of statistically. And uh, and obviously, we, you know, I think we all know that uh, middle of the pack doesn't win the championship, but it might get you to the mm-hmm. playoffs depending on how, uh, how your offense goes. Uh, Ryan, you got some more to add to this? Um, I honestly, my, my, uh, my main thing that I want to get to is I hinted at it before with that 12 and four thing, Thomas, where do you think these chiefs finish? Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, they, they've got a tough schedule. And so, uh, I think, you know, last time I sat down and really thought about it, I, I was, I was saying probably 11 and five would be, uh, my, my best realistic guess. Um, you know, and again, it's hard to tell because, you know, injuries and all that stuff, but I feel pretty good about 11 and five. I think that they'll, you know, we'll see another year. And I think the chargers have done a lot to improve. Um, but I think that at the end of the day, the chiefs have had their way with the division for uh, the last couple of years. And, and that will continue to be things. So I, I'd say 11 and five, uh, you know, hopefully make it in the playoffs and, and hopefully make a, a pretty uh, deep run. Otherwise, you know, we may see some, uh, but the seat might start to warm up under Andy a little bit just because, you know, you've been there maybe six years and, and one playoff one to show for it. So um, I think that they have to, they have to put something on the field that's going to, it's going to work. So uh, if they, I, I don't think that Andy Reed and, and his staff are, are going to uh, settle for anything left. I mean, I think that that's the expectation is a, a playoff first and uh, some wins, some, you know, some traction here. So, um I would, I'm pretty comfortable with saying 11 and five. Hey, I'll, I'll take it. That, you know, they're always a team that's competitive, no matter what the roster looks like. And that's the one thing I always respect out of the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Thomas, go ahead, plug everything you got for me, sir. You know, Twitter, website, Instagram, whatever you got, where people can, can you know, read, read anything you got, shoot the breeze, the whole nine yards. Yeah. So, like I said, I, I am a contributor for uh, Arrowhead Addict. You can find me. A lot of the stuff I write is – about the NFL draft, that's kind of my uh, my passion. I really enjoy, you know, just the process, the process of scouting players, and and so uh, fairly new to actually, you know, writing and publishing things. So um, getting getting it out there a little bit more. You can follow me. At, my Twitter is uh, at Arrowhead Tom, and yeah. uh, I try to tweet a little bit about, you know, 
about the draft and different players. And so if, if you're really interested in the draft, give me a follow. Feel free to, you know, tweet at me and, and I'll try to, I, I mean, that's not like I have a huge crowd of followers, but <laughs> uh, so, you know, good chance I'll reply. But uh, I really uh, appreciate, you know, just the chance to come on and talk Chiefs. Like I said, I, you know, long, long time fan and, and just a huge, huge, uh, just love the game of football. And so any chance I get to talk about, you know, the players in this game and especially, you know, this year, because I feel like the Chiefs have been kind of slept on or, or uh, not given much credit, given, you know, the fact that they are back-to-back division champs. They've been 16-1, and one, you know, in the division. Uh, I, I think it's still theirs to take. So, uh, appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, it was a pleasure. We uh, we threw the follow away. Guys, give him a follow, man. He's, he's a great mind. It was, it was a pleasure talking to you, Thomas. And uh, we'll have to chat again during the season. We'll be back on. Talk some, uh, talk some cheese with you. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. That was Thomas Welte from ArrowheadAddict.com. Talking Kansas City Chiefs football. Uh, dude, I just looked at their schedule. That first six games, rough. Chargers <laughs> on the road. Steelers on the road. The new look Niners. They're gonna be sneaky. <laughs> That's their first home game, and then boom, back on the road against uh, the Broncos. Uh, and then, uh, if you even go farther, that first, it's like out of the first eight games, it's like six of the first eight are on the road, uh, closing out that eighth game on the road, uh, the Patriots and the, and then they also, the Jaguars at home. Well, we'll see if he's, he didn't seem, there's two people that were confident this year. One was Matthew Pagels with the chargers and the other was, uh, Mr. Lewis Toronto jr. With the jets on his no. Those are the two confident things I heard this year. I didn't, I didn't feel he was as confident about the Chiefs, but you know he he's got he's he's got it down with the team. The team looks good, but we'll see what happens with it here. You uh, we we got we got one one big thing that I want to do here because they came correct, and when I'm talking correct, I'm talking about my co-host Jordan. You yeah. know you know what time it is. I was wondering where they're going to get another tuba player for the band. Spit takes, y'all. I got one. Demetrius has one. Jordan, you got one tonight? I think I can make something appear. All right. I will, uh, Demetrius, I will let you, I will defer to you. I'll go second. Ooh. You get, you get probably my cherry? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's tight. <laughs> that is pretty cool. You know, in, in, in just for your sake, Demetrius. Get it! Get it! <laughs> uh, uh, let me just say thank you guys for having me on. Uh, man, I haven't been on here in a minute. But, what I have for you gentlemen today is <clears throat> the LA Clippers. The Clippers have traded that's a spit take right there, right? Austin Rivers <laughs> for Marcin Gortat. Yes, Doc, Doc Rivers. Rivers got rid of his son. Oh wow. Doc Marcin Rivers. Gortat. Doc Rivers and Lawrence Frank. Hey, what did he what did he give up to get his son on the team too? <sighs> I don't remember what they paid him. Hold on, they paid him quite a bit. Let me double oh. check here. Let me look at it. Uh, he traded a second round pick to Boston for uh, Austin in um, 2015, and there's got to be more to it. But he traded his son. Yeah, the him son and Lawrence Franks. Get out what was that town. like? The first father son duo they had going. Yeah, that that sure lasted. And he gone. <laughs> yeah, he, you know, you notice he waited until after Father's Day to do that too. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he had to, but but that's besides the point. Uh, but dang. Next Father's Day ain't gonna be so nice. 
Man, I hope the Clippers and Warrior or Wizards are the Christmas Day game now. Oh, uh, Christmas, Christmas with the family, bro. Ugh. <laughs> I, bro, I, what? God forbid the the. I, you heard it here first. Clippers, Wizards in the NBA Finals. I mean, he could get three seasons though with his dad. Three seasons. That's he said. He's man, son. It's not working out. It's he just he's admitted gotta, that his kid's go. a scrub and he overpaid him. Man, did he have flashbacks to getting kicked out of the house? Baby. You gotta go. You all gotta go. He said you gotta get out of the house. Whoa. Damn, Damn. 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 This this might be a different kind of spit take, but with a different uh, uh, consonant in the second the spot. Uh, Diamondbacks pitcher Archie Bradley, you familiar? Yes. Uh, apparently, he told Yahoo Sports uh, podcast <laughs> Tim Brown that he pooped his pants in the Arizona bullpen bathroom right before entering a game this season. <laughs> oh my god! He he pitched a game. Uh, he pitched a game with some poop in the pants. Oh, <laughs> like that's like the only person I've ever seen savage enough to do activities with poop in her pants is my kid. Oh, I'm not looking forward to that. Damn. Uh, Between trans- him and <laughs> here's the transcript. I'm warming up to go in the game, and I knew I had the next hitter. I knew he was on deck, and the at bat was taking a little bit. And as a bullpen guy, these big situations, I call them the nervous peas. Uh, I don't believe I pee a lot, but I have to go before the game. Uh, it's a 2-2 count. I'm like, man, I got to go. I got to go. So I run to the bathroom real quick. I'm ready to go, and I'm trying to pee. And I actually uh, poop my pants. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I got to pitch. I'm going to go in the game. So I'm scrambling to clean up. I get it best to clean the best I can. I button my pants, and our bullpen coach is like, hey, you're in the game. So I'm jogging into the game with poop in his pants. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my God. One more time for it. Oh, oh man. Mine's mine's not necessarily uh, a fully humorous spit take, but it's more of a mind-boggling, like, how the hell does this happen type thing. I'm going to take you all back to 2012, where the Suns got two first-round picks and two second-round picks uh, from the L.A. Lakers for Steve Nash, okay? So the 2013 and 2015 uh, first-round picks, okay? Now... The the 2015 pick ended up going. I think it it went to it went to Philly. Somehow it went to Philly from this deal. I don't remember what Phoenix gave up to Philly. But anyway, then the the pick was basically, you know, if the Lakers it's top top three protected or whatever, blah blah blah, which ended up being top one protected and unprotected this year, which then became Philly's number ten pick from the Lakers. Okay. Phoenix also then traded Goran Dragic to the Miami Heat, got back two first-round picks. Uh, the two first-round picks were a, a uh, 2018 first-round pick, and then the other was a unprotected 2021 pick. On draft night, the Philadelphia 76ers traded Mikel Bridges to the Phoenix Suns for the number 16 pick, Zaire Smith, and a 2021 unprotected first-round pick. So Phoenix's two picks they got from Miami, they essentially traded back to Philly to get back that Lakers pick they originally got in the Steve Nash trade. 
So I, I'm trying to wrap my head around how the hell that even happened. That's the most mind-boggling thing I've ever heard in my life. It's, uh, I wonder, like, uh, it's kind of like one of those things, like, where you, you wonder, like, when you look at those players that, like, played with every team in a division or, you know what I mean, kind of one of those things, like, that pick has been everywhere kind of thing. Yep. And then you like you gotta think about man, what what could I what could have happened with that pick, uh, on for another team? Like that's that's gonna be like one of those weird mystery picks. <laughs> so, so it's almost like they essentially traded Steve Nash, in the long run for Mikel Bridges. Wow. And Goran Dragic. That's uh that needs uh I think we need to get uh maybe the the Owen Wilson on the sidebar like oh interesting or like a wow <laughs> wow so like I said it wasn't it wasn't like the humorous one but it just blew my mind so much that I was like it, it deserves it and that's that's why that got spit take so that was my spit take I just got so. <laughs> when we come back after break, Chris Ransom comes back as always. We're talking 2018 NHL draft. Don't go away. It's Sportscast Radio. Your late night hip hop and R&B podcast, Soda Sound Radio, hosted by Kyle Half Fine Adams, every Thursday night right here on the Strong Style Media Network. Catch up on your latest on hip hop and R&B, and hear Minnesota talent at 10 p.m. Central. But if you trust the way I feel, I won't fold from the cards that you deal. Let's journey life together and make it worthwhile. Can't take it back like time. See, my life is like a movie, no rewinding. Killing mics like I got a license. Victim, I believe don't have religion. Just a higher power. Who power? I'm not so happy with it. But I take a breath. Regain my pet. Check my feet when I'm walking. I've seen it all more than I care to reveal I'm always sure to clear the air for the real That's why I'm aiming at the grill, man Cause it's how I feel Nobody being sincere We need some changes for real Again, that's Thursdays right here on the Strong Style Media Network Thursdays at 10 p.m. Central And if you're a musician you want to get your music heard on the show Send the MP3 over to Soda Sound at strongstylemedia.com Enut Enut This right here is Alpha Brain. I just drank some of this in a shake. I got to tell you right now, I couldn't be more clear. You're Clarity. 50, so I use it. I don't do anything without it. I'm addicted I, to I it. I know, but I'm 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 48, but I feel like I'm 26. I have a boner right now. But I have so much energy. Like I actually, I, I'm I'm. And I took an Alpha Brain. I never do. I I want to fight you. I want to fight you. I want to go, chin down, and I want to bang, bang. Oh my. Hey, I'm Dr. Afkin. What's up? He's been distraught ever since his friend smoked him last week in fantasy football. Now he's grabbed this post and he won't respond. He's got Luzonic plays. What is He's a loser. He's not a loser. Okay, he's a loser. What can he do? With DraftKings, he could have easily challenged his friend to a rematch. I can't. What are you? I can't see that. You need glasses. I'm also an optometrist. At DraftKings, you can play free private contests whenever you want. 
Strong Style Media presents Sportscast Radio, the one that started it all, with your host, Ryan Cook, and me, Jordan Jiskra. We're going to be giving you everything, and I mean everything from baseball, football, basketball, hockey, field hockey, soccer, bobsled, boxing, pokers, pokes, basketball, the chefs, survivor, and even that weird sport where they do the hurdles and jump puddles and track and field. All right, maybe not that one. But from the college to the pros and from the ring to the rink, we've got you covered. Sportscast Radio. You know the name, Jack aim to maintain money on the brain. Can't stop the rain. I'm doing fantastic. What's going on with you guys? Oh, we're excited to have you on talking the NHL. I mean, this is, I think, year four we've done this. Uh, we got a ton of new people on here. Uh, I know you did it back in April with the NFL draft, but real quick, just give everyone a rundown. Introduce yourself for all of our new listeners, if you could. I'm Chris Ransom of Draftytopia. Um we break down mock drafts for the NFL, NHL, NBA, MLB, and MLS, and we had the most accurate mock in three different sports this year for soccer, NBA, second year in a row, and hockey. So, I mean, we tied with um, – it was technically a tie with draft site with Craig Button and Bob McKenzie. Each of us had six picks right in the first round. So it was a crazy year. Yeah, it was it was definitely an interesting draft. There was a lot of top-end talent, it seemed like. We knew the first two were fairly predictable, but then it kind of just went wild off the cusp with it. But, you know, let's let's just let the cat out of the bag. we got to talk about him first. Break down Rasmus Dahlin, the guy who could be the next Eric Carlson in the NHL for us. Yeah, he could be Eric Carlson. He could be Victor Hedman. He could be um, Nicholas Lidstrom. He's... That talent on tape, he's going to play on the first line right out of the gate with Rasmus Ristolainen, and the Rasmus duo is going to be anchoring this Buffalo blue line for years to come. So that's the one thing the Sabres lacked was a number one defender that could anchor this line long-term with Jack Eichel, and they finally got that. And they've got Ristolainen next to him on that top line. You're going to have Casey Middlestat coming up as well. So... Buffalo is really looking like a team that's going to be set to compete for years now because the Kings took off when they got Dowdy to compliment Kopitar. The Lightning took off when they got Hedman to compliment Sam Coast. So, yeah, and the Bruins even took off for a brief period after they got Dougie Hamilton to compliment Tyler Sagan. So, I mean, you've seen teams get defensemen after drafting centers and having success doing that. So, I, I'm excited. I I think this kid's going to be tremendous. You know, I've, I've watched just a small sample size from just highlights of what I've seen. I haven't got to see any for Lunda games, but the fact that this kid played forward and now moving, you know, into defense with the, with the ability that he could move the puck and, and play make, he's going to be good. Do you think he could do enough to make Buffalo – not good per se, but at least respectable this year? I actually do. I actually think he can make Buffalo a top three team in their division behind Tampa Bay and Boston year one. I think he can be that kind of player for the Buffalo Sabres moving forward. And and I don't doubt it. You know, we're seeing a lot of these kids uh, come into the league and actually – 
you know, they're they're all over the board with how good they can play. Perfect example, we look last year, uh, the New Jersey Devils, number one. Obviously, they got Taylor Hall, but not a lot of people give enough credit to Nico Heshire. He comes in, that team goes from the worst team to making the playoffs. I think right off the bat, you know, we definitely talked about Ristolainen, but let's talk about the guy who went number two yeah, to Carolina. Patrick can fly what's that? Even though he have the Nolan Patrick was drafted second last year too, and he his flyers were in the playoffs as well. So yeah, just and that's a it's a no, it's a great point that that these kids are coming in more NHL ready than they ever were. And when we talked a couple of years ago, all I wanted was the Wild to to get Evgeny Shvechnikov to land to them. He ended up going to Detroit. His brother goes number two. Andre Shvechnikov goes to the Carolina Hurricanes. Can he do enough to pull a Nico Heshire and Nolan Patrick with Carolina, or is that team just too depleted? I think they are very stacked. Not depleted, but actually stacked, because they trade Elias Lindholm. He was a winger on Carolina. Him and Falk were both center-slash-wingers, two-way forwards. So Svechnikov just comes in to replace Lindholm, and you've got other guys that are going to be on the roster next year as well. You're going to have... Hayden Fleury, your 2014 first-round pick up. Martin Nikos, your 2017 first-round pick, is going to be up on the roster. Um, Cam Ward wants to come back to Carolina. So I think the Carolina Hurricanes, if they can get Ward back, I think there's an outside shot they could go top three in the Metropolitan, and you're looking at a wild-card team at the very worst. Um, obviously, third pick came around, and I think this is where it started getting a little interesting. Montreal goes with the center. They take Jesperi, Kotkaniemi. What does this kid bring to the Canadiens next year from all of that Finnish uh, Finnish Junior League and uh, playing for Asat in the Liga? Well, I love the blue line class. I love the winger class. I thought this was the worst center class in 15 years, since 2002. Wow. Two teams took centers in the top five. Montreal took the guy they wanted. Maybe it'll pay off, but if you're, look, if you're comparing Kotkaniemi to a live one center, he's more along the lines of Barkov or Anze Kopitar compared to these other elite line one centers like Crosby, McDavid, Austin Matthews. And that's why I say it's a weak center group because this guy, while he has the upside to be a borderline line one guy, he's raw, and on most teams he'd be a line two guy. Montreal desperately needs a line one guy. So they were one team that reached, and Arizona, they're moving Galchenyuk to center. They're bringing Dylan Strom up, yet they still draft another center at number five. And it's a weak center draft. It's the weakest center draft in past 15 years, yet two centers go in the top five due to the demand for the position. You, you know what? It's interesting, too. Uh, the International Scouting Service uh, had uh, Kokoniemi 16. The uh, TSN Top 100 Prospects had him at 18. So they're they were right on board with you doing the same thing that uh, these centers were kind of weak. And then we see at five, Arizona takes Barrett Hayton. They had him ranked 12. What did you think of Barrett Hayton? Is he, is he at I anybody? I top 15 pick, but I didn't like him as a top five pick. And I had him behind Joe Valeno on my board, who slipped the Red Wings at 30. I had the Florida Panthers taking Barrett Hayton at 15. So I was not as high on him as the Coyotes were, apparently. So... I mean, I, I, but I heard leading up to the draft that the Coyotes were going to draft a forward and that there were team sources saying this team was going to get a forward at five. They weren't going to take a defender because they were happy with their blue line, and that actually turned out to be true. Usually when you hear reports like that, you think maybe it's a smokescreen, but the report about them taking a forward at five ended up being true, 
and they took Barrett Hayton, which I thought was a big questionable decision there, considering I like Kachuk and Valeno as my top two centers in the entire draft, but they took Barrett Hayton, a guy who built up a lot of momentum and did well with the Greyhounds this year. They took him at five, which they could have traded dead back and still gotten him at like eight or nine. Uh, one guy a lot of people were talking about that, that has a comparable of a guy like Alex Petrangelo, uh, Evan Bouchard. Edmonton takes him. I thought it was a smart pick, especially when they did on paper what made sense, trading Taylor Hall for Adam Larson to get a defender. And the team really took a step back this year. Adding another blue liner seems smart. What did you think of Edmonton's pick at 10? Yeah, I was a fan of Evan Bouchard at first, but I saw his tape against the Owen Sound attack, and he's making a lot of terrible decisions. But he does have the ability to come up right away and help this Oilers team as early as next season if he puts everything together. So I wouldn't put it past him to become that player, but I feel like he really will blend in with the Oilers' core of forwards if he does make the jump. And another interesting note here is that if, the let's say the Coyotes take Philippe Zadina at number six. The Red Wings were going to take Evan Bouchard. If Philippe Zadina was off the board, the Red Wings were going to take Evan Bouchard. In fact, their general manager confirmed this in an article with the Detroit Free Press on Monday. So I know know a Red Wings fan who wanted Quinn Hughes at six. They had no plans on taking Hughes at six. I'm just just shooting the messenger here because it's like (laughs) – this is what their plan B was. Their plan B was Evan Bouchard. So if the Red Wings' plan B was Evan Bouchard with Zadina off the board and the Red Wings got Zadina, Edmonton is really lucky that this break bounced their way. Was, was Quinn Hughes a favorite pick just because of the, the Michigan ties? Yes, I would say that. So so talk about the guy that they did get, uh, Philippe Zadina. What's your thought about him slipping to six? He had a lot of stock. You know, a lot of people had him a top three, top four pick, and he kind of went down a little bit. I had him as a top three guy for most of the process, but then on Friday I heard that Montreal preferred Jeff Ferry, Coach Kinyemi. Like a week before the NHL draft took place, I heard that Montreal was locking in on Jeff Ferry, and – I knew the first two picks were the picks of what teams should do. Number three went from what should Montreal do to what they think they what they need to do. Okay, let me rephrase that. Buffalo and Carolina did what they needed to do. Montreal did what they should do. Ottawa did what they felt like they should do. And Arizona just went off on a tangent. Detroit benefited from that <laughs> and they got to do that six. And they got Delano, they got Jared McIsaac, they got three of my top 13 players in the first two rounds of the draft. And I thought the Red Wings had one of the better drafts this year, in my personal opinion. I think if Zadina can come up with Jimmy Howard in a contract here, with Michael Rasmussen last year's first-round pick coming up, I think the Red Wings are going to have a team ready to go and ready to push for a spot. I don't know if they'll make the playoffs, but if they can either re-sign Mike Green or get a defender in free agency, I think they have the ability to sneak into this potential top three. But I think right now they're either going to fall short or they're going to push for a wild card. They're going to be a lot more explosive offensively. And with Jimmy Howard entering a contract year this season, 
they're in win-now mode because they know if they don't win now, Jimmy Howard may not re-sign with the team. A uh, couple questions from our listeners coming in. Uh, two, two teams that are popular around these parts. Uh, thoughts on the Minnesota Wild and thoughts on the Tampa Bay Lightning's drafts as a whole? I was not really blown away by either team's drafts. I thought Minnesota made a careless decision in the first round, but they took a defender, so I'm not going to fault that them for that too much because this is the deepest blue line class I've seen since the 2012 draft, which was at Console Energy Center in Pittsburgh, now PPG Paints Arena, but this is the deepest blue line draft since 2012 and arguably the most top-heavy one since 2008 when you had Drew Doughty and Eric Carlson both go in the top 15. So if this is the most top-heavy blue line draft in 10 years, and the deepest blue line draft since 2012, which saw 13 defenders go in the first round, this one at 14, then that says a lot about the draft itself, especially when you consider that Bode Wild, Jared McIsaac, and Jet Wu, who I thought checked out all the boxes on tape heading in the year, all fell to the second round. That says a lot about how good of a blue line class this is. So, I really can't fault Minnesota for reaching for a defender. Tampa Bay didn't pick until the second round, but Iserman's one of those GMs that you can just trust. You trust his instincts, you trust his intuition, and you trust his process. You don't trust the Glazers and the Buccaneers, but you trust Iserman. You trust the foundation he's building. Uh, <laughs> more, more of a, a humor question somebody asked. Did Toronto think that they were getting Rasmus Dahlin when they took Rasmus Sandin from Sweden? And is this the most Rasmuses ever to go in a first round of an NHL draft? Well, their new GM, Kyle, um, the new GM that Shanahan promoted, he was actually an amateur director of scouting with the Salt St. Marie Greyhound. So he had a personal connection to his former team, and Rasmus Sandin played on a loan with the Salt St. Marie Greyhounds, which allowed Toronto's scouting department to gain some intel on this pick, and that may have been what ultimately influenced them to take Sandin. There were reports they were going to take him at 25, and I mocked um, Ryan Merkley to Toronto at 25, but he ended up going a little bit earlier than that at 21 to the San Jose Sharks, and I know I have a friend, I have a writer at Draft Utopia, Tony. He's a Sharks fan and a Lightning fan, and he points <laughs> out, yeah, leave it to Doug Wilson to draft someone who may have maturity issues. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you mentioned Sharks too. What was your thought about uh, Ryan Merkley at 21? I think Ryan Merkley's got the upside to be the best offensive defender in the draft potentially after after um after Bockfist and Dolan, but he, he he's not – there's reports that he doesn't want to be a defensive defender, and that rubs some teams the wrong way. But apparently the Sharks are willing to look past that because Doug Wilson and because they have a night – they want to get younger <laughs> defense. Who uh, – so if, as we if you – Doug Wilson, you got to give Jim Nill – I mean, Jim Nill, the stars, I love what he did with Madonna and Jamie Benn, but I wasn't a fan of the Ty Delandria pick. I mean, I would have took in Barzell three years ago because I had him in the top six the first year you had me on your show, and he fell to the Islanders at 16. And if I was Dallas's GM in that situation, I would have grabbed Barzell at 13. And, I mean, just saying, it, it kind of sucks when you know Nill's going to screw up the draft. <laughs> but we got Alvin Erickson in the second round. 
So for all you Sharks fans that want to criticize me for trashing Jug Wilson, just remember there's a GM in Dallas named Jim Nill who's a lot worse. So relax, Sharks fans. <laughs> who? So who do you who do you think was, were a couple teams that were big winners this draft? I know you mentioned Detroit. Uh, who were a couple other teams uh, that you thought really did a Black good job? They got Adam Bockfist at number eight, and they also built on that in the second round. They got um, another player. It wasn't Nando Eggenberger. He went undrafted, but there was a player um, that the Blackhawks took in the second round, in the third round, actually. Nicholas um, Nordgren, maybe, was. I think it was Nicholas Nordgren, but the Blackhawks had an awesome draft because they were able to land quality talent. Despite not having a second-round pick, they were still able to land Nicholas Nordgren, out of Helsing Four's IFK, and they also got Jake Wise, I believe, at, in the third round. So they were able to get two players we had second-round grades on in the third round. And we talked about the Oilers. Um, the Oilers were able to get Ryan Merkley, a guy who many were projecting as the future number one pick back in um, 2015. They were able to get him in the second round, and they were able to trade up for the top goalie in the draft in Olivier Rodriguez. So, they're putting that foundation in place for when these guys develop. If Rodriguez can develop and they can bring all these guys up by 2020 or 2021, Connor McDavid might rule the NHL for a few years after Crosby is retired, which is going to be a while. But when that happens, Connor McDavid's going to have a op- window of opportunity where he'll absolutely rule the NHL for a few years like Crosby did. But we'll see what happens as McDavid continues to develop and do big things with this Oilers team. I thought another winner was the Los Angeles Kings. This is a team that got it right in rounds one through four, which is pretty difficult to do in the NHL draft. They took Rasmus Kupari in round one at number 20. We had him going to the Sharks at 21. Then in round two, they get a Kill Thomas, who we had going 18th in our mock. Then in round three, they got Ulat Shafi Gulen, who we actually had a late first-round grade on. We knew he was going to be a day-two pick, but we had a first-round grade on him. And we mocked him to the Red Wings at 30. The Kings got the three top 30 players on my board. And then in round four, they got the 41st best player on my board in Aiden Dudas. So I thought the L.A. Kings, to come out with that kind of talent rounds one through four, was an incredible job on their part. And who can forget the Islanders? They got Wallstrom at 11, and they got Noah Dobson, who fell all the way to 12, which was kind of a surprise to many. Um, Obviously, you know, that that pick coming in, the, the Dougie Hamilton trade, uh, I believe was that was was that how that trade came in, or was that the Travis Hamonic trade? That was a Hamonic trade, I believe. Okay, I, so I knew they had a pick. I, I you know that was L.A. Clipperish having the, the two picks like that. Um, one thing that really surprised me with the team having a lot of picks, I had a, a small feeling that I didn't know how how accurate it would be, but I would have been not shocked if the Vegas Golden Knights would have pulled the trigger and threw some picks at Ottawa for Eric Carlson. Anything that you heard that maybe would have happened for that trade to happen? A lot of happens. Yeah. The Golden Knights have more money than any team in the Western Conference. They theoretically have enough money to get both John Tavares and Eric Carlson, but it sounds like the Golden Knights is not going to be the destination of Tavares, with Tavares looking at the Sharks, the Maple Leafs, the Dallas Stars, and the Islanders as the final four teams. What, what about Tampa? What about Tampa? Tampa's low on money. I mean, I, I don't think they've got the capital to get to Tavares. Maybe I'm wrong, but 
I just I don't think they're gonna get him. I you know I'm 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 gonna go out on a limb and say it right now. I think him being best friends with Steven Stamkos. I know you're risking. All those guys that come up in 2019, you got to pay Kucherov. I know you got to do that. But I think if anybody's going to do it, Stevie Y is the guy who could make this happen. And I tell you what, Vegas already has the Lightning 8-1, to one, I think, the favorites to win the Cup. If they get John Tavares, having that Stamkos Tavares 1-2 punch, Tyler Johnson is your line 3. I'm sorry, Pittsburgh, but I think they got you beat at the center. Does, what, what do you really think Tavares does July 1? The Vegas? Golden Knights have $30 million in cap space, so they have enough money to get both Eric Carlson and John Tavares with $30 million. They've got enough for both of those players. So I think that's going to help them. That's an advantage they have. And I'm looking at the um, Tampa Bay Lightning. They only have $5 million in cap space. I don't think they're in the running for Tavares unless they release someone, really, who's making a lot of money for them. And I don't think they're going to do that. I think Iserman's going to continue to build the foundation. Um, what, do you, what do you think he commands? Like, what do you think, what do you think uh, Tavares is going to get? I think Tavares wants, like, 12 mil. He wants McDavid money to stay with the Islanders. But I think he'll take 7 to $8 million with the right team. And by that, I mean a contender. I mean, you look at Toronto, they've got $24 million. They've got the most of the finalists outside of the Islanders. The Islanders have more cap room than any NHL team, but Tavares may not take a deal with the Islanders unless he gets McDavid money. So Toronto's the team after the Islanders with the most money with $24 million, and then you've got the um, Dallas Stars with $19 million, and then the Sharks with $18 million. So Toronto has a clear... A lot more money than Dallas or San Jose to throw around. But they have a good core of centers with Nylander, with Mitch Marner, with Austin Matthews. So they really don't need John Tavares. They need blue line help more. I mean, they need blue line help a lot more. Carlson's a player they should be targeting. But Ottawa's not going to trade Carlson to a rival. So, I mean, it's a tough situation to be in. But I'd honestly try to build around the blue line if I were Toronto. You know, I'll say this for all the Lightning fans because I'm, get, I'm getting some, uh, some some questions about it. Tampa Bay, I'm looking at it. They got $9.8 million in cap. They have enough to sign John Tavares. Let's go. They could, I mean, they could do it. Because if you look at their core, I mean, they got they got six guys under a million, two more under a million and a million one. They got cap. And if you really needed to, I know people are going to hate it, but you can let Tyler Johnson walk. I know that's not the sexy thing, but you could still sign Tavares and make a one-year run at this thing and see what happens. I'm just, I know know it's probably not necessarily going to happen, but I really think they got a shot for for how crafty Steve Eiserman is, and I think the Stamkos relationship with Tavares is going to be a definite a definite X factor that not a lot of these teams are going to have. Cause you know, Chris, you mentioned, you mentioned Toronto and not only does Toronto need to focus on defense. And I know John Carlson re-upped with Washington. So that, that takes him off the board, but you mentioned Matthews and Marner. They got a guy named William Carlson. They have to pay all three of those guys. And what does that say to your young core? If you bring in John Tavares, he gets paid money and probably takes your captain's patch. 
Yeah, I mean, it's definitely possible that they could get to him if they have $9 million. But Cap Friendly says they only have $5 million. So if they only have $5 million, they don't have a shot at him. But if they have $9 million, then... See a Ryan Callahan? Get him. But, but I'm, uh, with Ryan... Yeah, I'm just... I'm interested. I'm definitely interested. Ryan Callahan is one of the better players. He's an alternate captain for the Lightning, but he's 33, and I believe his contract with the Lightning does run out. He's a free agent. Yeah, he's, he's a liar. I think he's. I think he's on the board one more year after Actually, Ryan Callahan. He's under he, 2020, 2021. Yeah, so he's, he's making 5.8. So he's getting paid. I mean, he's he's definitely making money. You know, Tyler Johnson and Andres Palat got no trade clauses, so you really can't do anything with those guys unless they'd agree to it. You can move Braden Colburn. He's making $3.7 million. But, I mean, I have their entire 2018-2019 roster in front of me. Their cap set, they, with with their Matt Carl buyout of uh, about $2 million, you could say, they're at sixty nine point five million. Cap's supposed to go seventy nine five this year. That's almost ten million Tampa's got. I'm telling you, man. John Tavares is gonna be a bolt. John Tavares is gonna be a bolt. Chris, with with this all said and done and the, the crazy John Tavares talks that could happen. If 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 it's all you know, the smoke clears and everything, where does John Tavares land next week? I feel like he's going to go back to the Islanders. I mean, they've got the money to make this happen, but they haven't pulled the trigger yet, which is kind of amazing considering they have $32 million to spend. They can, they've can. got the money to happen. And, and they, Gar Snow gave him the option to go talk to teams this week. So they're open with letting him do it. Um, I don't know. I know he also said, too, he's not – He's not 100% really playing for the money. He knows he can get a contract, you know, if needed next. He wants to he wants to try to win while he while he can. It's going to be interesting, you know. I, obviously, the focus is on the NBA draft or the NBA free agency once Saturday hits. But I tell you what, this John Tavares thing, there's not been a guy in their prime like this that has hit the open market. I can think of in a long time. And actually did some. I mean, Stephen Samkos did a few years ago, but he he had re-upped with Tampa an hour into it. You know, it wasn't even a big deal. This Tavares thing could open up the league. Yeah, and Tavares was the first player to gain exceptional status in the Ontario Hockey League before being drafted by the Islanders. He was the very first player to pull that off. And then Ekblad got exceptional status in 2011, then was drafted number one by the Panthers three years later, and then Connor McDavid also got exceptional status in 2012, and then got went number one of the the Oilers three years later. So, uh, Chris, before we wrap up, I got one more thing I want to ask you: Is somebody from this draft class going to be good enough? Obviously, Rasmus Dahlin's a sexy answer, but to come out and decisively win Rookie of the Year this year, I think Dahlin and Svechnikov can do it. Zadina might be a dark horse, but other than those three, I don't think there's anyone in this class that could come out and win Rookie of the Year. It'll be interesting. It's it's going to be a fun season. It was a fun draft. It'll be a fun offseason. Chris, thanks a lot, man, for coming uh, on. As guys always. In the draft, like Heiskanen um, 
and a lot of the other players, I mentioned Martin Nikos, um, but a lot of the other players from the 2017 draft last year, Owen Tippett, they're going to be on NHL rosters. So they, they're, these 2018 guys are going to be competing against a lot of the top 10 picks in the 2017 NHL draft for that Calder Award. So it's going to be interesting, like you said, for that reason. Who takes, I just wanted to ask who, who takes the Calder? I think it's going to be Dolan. I, I think it's going to be Rasmus Dolan. I really believe that. I'm, I hope so. Buffalo needs it, man. They need a push. Chris, plug everything you got for our listeners, man, how they can read all your great draft coverage, uh, interact with you the whole nine yards, sir. All right. You can go to draftyw.com slash nhldraftresults.html to read our NHL draft grades. You can also go to NBA draft results on draftytoby.com and you can check out our NBA draft grades. We just posted those. We're already reworking the NFL schedules for this upcoming season in September. We're already getting started on that. And uh, two of my other writers are going to set up an NHL transactions and NBA transactions page for the free agency period, which does start on July 1st. So you can check that out and continue to follow us for awesome content at Draftytopia. So thanks for having me on you guys. And I cannot wait to break down Jack Hughes next year when we do this again. Yeah, I'm excited, man. It's always fun, Chris. Well, uh, you know, we're we're doing a we're gonna probably do a big uh, free agent show on Saturday night. So maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll get in touch with you and just kind of have you poke your head in on anything you're hearing around the league. All right. All right. Thanks, Chris. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Later. Have a good night. Chris Ransom, DraftUtopia.com, coming on, kicking it with us. Having some fun, talking it. Like he said, Hughes is coming out next year, getting ready already. We're, we're getting ready for Chris next year. <laughs> it's a fun one. We are going to take our last break when we come back. Demetrius, it is so fun that you've come back to Sports Radio as we're ready to celebrate. Missing out on an awesome show sucks. SeatGeek is an app that lets you track your favorite artists and notifies you when they announce new shows nearby. You can even connect your favorite music services so that you never miss out again. SeatGeek, the smart way to buy tickets. Fan of pro wrestling like we are? We got you covered. From WWE, New Japan, Ring of Honor, Impact, Lucha Underground, All Japan, and more. We're talking the highs and lows in pro wrestling. Heck, we're even giving you people from the Okadas and Omega. We're even talking the Bone Soldiers and Enzo Amoris. Sorry, Daniel. We'll stick to guys like this. Ryan Cook here, and you can check me out along with my co-host Alex Mello each Monday night, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time, right here on the Strong Style Media Network. Okay, I'm going to get that jersey for Steven. Oh, that Michigan sweatshirt is perfect for Susie. Ryan is going to love this hat. 
Fanatics.com has great gifts for all the sports fans in your life. Go to Fanatics.com right now and get free shipping and up to 10% cash back on absolutely everything. Every sport, every team. Fanatics.com, where sports fans shop. Calling all fight fans worldwide. My name is Elijah McNeil. And I'm one half of the best boxing podcast on the net. The one and only Standing Eight Count Radio. Do you like hard-hitting commentary, analysis, and banter? Tune in on Sundays at 10 p.m. with my co-host, Ryan the Technical Legend Cook, and I break it down. That's Standing Eight Count Radio, 10 p.m. Sundays, Strong Style Media. Alexa, call Ashley. Yeah, it's about time you call that girl. No, 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 he just talked to that girl two hours ago. You gotta let love marinate. Put love in that bag to marinate. Mmm, love gonna be in that bag like, mmm, I can't wait to talk to him tomorrow. What? And then, after it marinates, no, you're gonna pull it out. Jamie, who's Alexa? Say it! Say it, Jamie! You Alexa, that's right, I'm Alexa. Thanks, guys, but I'll take it from here. Polo to the float out. You already know though. It's Adamville for real. You see your hoes, just take a photo. I'm reppin' ass on photo with a fofo on your bro. Cause that Jodo thought that he could rob a player for some Jodo. Hold up, hold up. Also, Alan Temple. Also, England, Click it. Click it. You already know though. That's some Madden 18 right there. Doug just breaking things. Shout out to Chris Ransom. I had a moment. Leave me alone. Make sure you hit up draftutopia.com.html for his draft coverage. Always, always tremendous. Always tremendous. Once again, Saturday night, 10 p.m. Central Standard Time. It's free agency. Oh, I cannot wait. I believe uh, Get to Know Moan Nick Hangberg should be stopping by talking with us. I'll be on here. Elijah will be peeping his head in. Uh, we got some writers from some teams coming on here, but speaking of teams, Cleveland Cavaliers got a guy in their summer league. We're going to tell you about him, get to know him. While the NBA season may be over, the offseason madness has just begun, and the action does not stop with the NBA summer league starting next week. So with this in mind, there's one player who I'm definitely going to be following, and that is Billy Preston from the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, Preston is an interesting case as he was once regarded as a potential future NBA star. The former McDonald's All-American was ranked number 11 in the 2017 recruiting class before running into some off-the-court issues after committing to Kansas University. He never played in a regular season game for the Jayhawks, but likely would have been a first-round talent had he played a full season. At 6'10 and with a strong skill set, Preston has the ability to become a rare undrafted free agent to find success. Many have touted him as a versatile big with an ability to pass and shoot at a high level. His talent is definitely intriguing, and he could be in a great situation to develop with the future of the Cavs being uncertain. The Cavs being uncertain comes down to one thing. If he doesn't pick up his option, if he declines it by Friday, LeBron James will be a free agent. Demetrius just shaking his head at me. Demetrius, what do you what do you think of this whole LeBron free agency? I don't care. 
You don't care. I really don't care. You don't care because Sacramento ain't getting nothing. Oh, Sacramento ain't going to do anything anyway. Vladdy Divac said I that team is a that. super team. They said we're a super team. After they did not take Luka so, Doncic. Now that we have an actual platform to talk about this, I was like we were talking about in the car. Do you think there's a chance that LeBron just stays on Cleveland yes. and, then, and then leaves? But you said Houston, right? You were thinking Houston. So I, I think, okay, so here's the teams involved. Obviously Cleveland. Cleveland, Houston. Houston. I think there's a slight chance Boston. Sixers? Yep, Sixers. Uh, Boston, I think, could do something for them because they have the assets and it would be a, a formula that could win. And then Los Angeles. Mm. I think those are the five teams. I think those are the five. I don't, I don't think there's any team I'm missing that could just randomly get them. So what do we have? We have Houston, L.A., Cleveland. You said Boston? Yep. And then the Sixers? Yep. Okay. If he opts into his contract, he could opt in and play another season in Cleveland and try it one more time and see what could happen. Mm. Um, now, his son is going into eighth grade. He's not going into ninth grade yet. So it's one more year before he's in high school. LeBron James Jr. is enrolled in a Los Angeles high school. But he's got one year before that happens. So maybe he does give it another shot. You know, they drafted Colin Sexton from Alabama to play point. They could get out of that George Hill contract and, you know, try to move that on. And maybe they maybe they make enough space to sign Paul George. They have Colin Sexton, Paul George, LeBron James, and Kevin Love. That's a formidable team. It's not a bad team. Um, I don't know if they beat Golden State still. No. To be honest. But, no, probably not. Um you know, he's got a decent chance to win with it. I also think if he opts in, there's a chance he's opting in, a la what Chris Paul did with the Clippers, so they could trade him to the Rockets. So he would go to Houston. Yeah. Chris Paul opted in with L.A. to be traded for, I think it was like Patrick Beverly and a few other players. Okay. Uh, Lou Williams, I think, was in the deal. It was like four guys and I think a pick. But the only viable way he can get to Houston to play with Chris Paul and James Harden, too, is by getting traded there. Um, the only way Houston can sign him is if they renounce Clint Capella, which, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Tito Fertitta, the owner of the Rockets, said our number one priority is we will match anybody who tries to sign Clint Capella. Okay. So right there, they're, they're already saying they're not going to let Capella walk. You have to somehow get rid of Trevor Ariza. Ryan Anderson and his terrible contract. You have to get rid of P.J. Tucker. You have to renounce the rights to Luke, Richard, and Bob Mute. So you've got to get rid of all these guys to bring in LeBron. Yes, you're bringing in LeBron, and LeBron James, but how much are you depleting? You've got to get rid of Eric Gordon, too. So you're essentially moving Eric Gordon, Ryan Anderson, Luke, Richard, and Bob Mute, Clint Capella, and Trevor Ariza, or P.J. Tucker, whichever one I didn't say, for LeBron. You're gutting your whole team. It's not feasible. It's just not feasible to me. So that's why I don't think he goes there as a free agent. Because I now I'll say this: Daryl Morey, the GM of the Rockets, would trade his mother if it got him a better player. That's horrible. It's true. This guy is. Yeah, that's horrible. You know, it, there's NBA GMs do enough. Basically, I, I feel like GMs do enough to not get fired. Right. Daryl Morey does whatever he can to try to win, no matter if it's a risk or not. He doesn't care if it's going to cost him his job. That's why he is successful. That's how he got Chris Paul. That's how he got James Harden. 
And that's, you know, giving up Steven Adams, and I can't remember the other pieces that, that went to OKC. But Daryl Morey will do whatever he can to win. That's the one thing that separates him from these other GMs. You know, Masai Ujiri uh, does things in Toronto, but he's never done anything too crazy, as good of a GM as he's been. You know, we've seen Neil O'Shea do things. Uh, Sam Presti in OKC is another guy who took a risk with the Paul George thing. So some of these GMs take, take risks, but some of these guys do just enough to not lose their jobs. Because they know there's only 30 jobs in the NBA, and I have one of them. Yeah. I don't want to lose it. I better not take that risk. So I could see Daryl Morey taking that risk. It might pay off. It might not pay off. We don't know. So that's why I think if he, if he doesn't opt in with Cleveland, I think you, you immediately rule out Houston. Because there's, there's, they're not going to get their team to bring him in. I know Chris Paul wants it, but I don't think it happens. Fair enough. Um, Here's something mm-hmm. interesting. Magic Johnson said he'll step down if the Lakers miss out on free agents in the next two summers. Yep. So that means he's going to push hard to get at least George or LeBron. He's that confident in the next he's in the next two years. Somebody, he's done. He's stepping down. Chris Paul, LeBron James, Paul George are the big three free agents this year. Next year, Kawhi Leonard, Clay Thompson, and Jimmy Butler are all the big three free agents. Mm-hmm. Um, Clay has the ties with his dad being a Laker. Kawhi, we already know wants to. He already said, "Look, I'm playing in L.A. Whether you want to trade me there or not." Um, so Kawhi, I feel like is almost as good as here. It's just a matter of if or when, not if. When and how, kind of. Yeah, and and look, if I'm standing to let, and let, let me let me we'll go to the Kawhi thing in a minute because I'm glad you brought that up. But let's 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 keep knocking down these barriers. This LeBron thing, and this looks, and then we can tie into the Magic thing. Don't don't let me forget that because that's a damn good good piece you brought up. So if he opts in, we we have now officially ruled out Houston. Okay. So what does that bring us down to? Four teams. Yeah, we're down to four. Okay. Boston doesn't have the cap to do it. They would have to trade somebody to make the cap to bring in LeBron James. Now, you could do a sign-in trade where, I don't know, you trade Kyrie back to Cleveland. Well, Kyrie kind of said he wants to be out already. Yeah. So, you know, maybe you trade Kyrie for something. And and this is what made the most sense to me, is Boston trades uh, Kyrie Irving in a first to the Spurs for Kawhi Leonard. Okay. Then Cleveland gives gives LeBron James to the Celtics and gets back Gordon Hayward and I don't know some uh, Marquise Mor- Mar- Marcus Morris something to make the salaries match. Because then you're still bringing back. I mean Gordon Hayward's a top top five small forward. I think you could argue he's a really good player. There's a reason he got a max deal by the Celtics. So now you're looking at Boston. You have Terry Rozier, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Kyrie or Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, and Al Horford. That team, I think, could beat Golden State. That is a good team. Because that team almost made it to the finals without Kyrie and Gordon Hayward. Mm-hmm. So they didn't have those two to begin with. Now you mean to tell me they take that same young team and add LeBron and Kawhi to it? That's a, I mean, I, I obviously I don't want the Celtics to win as a Lakers fan, but if they were half a quarter away from beating Cleveland to go to the finals, and you take that same team because you, you don't have Kyrie and Gordon Hayward anyway, and you add Kyrie or Kawhi and LeBron, how does that team not win a title? The thing I hate about the whole situation, though, is that it's always, yeah, you know, if somebody went down, oh, they almost beat them, but, you know, somebody or so-and-so went down. I don't want to hear that anymore. I just, that's so annoying. When Cleveland made, well, look at this, Boston. They lost Gordon Hayward halfway through the first quarter of the first game. Uh-huh. 
So they didn't have him the whole year. And Kyrie, counting the playoffs, missed 50 games. So they went, you know, they went in and went to seven and almost beat Cleveland to go to the finals. And they didn't have those two. Yeah. So to me, it says that that team's good enough. Jason Tatum showed that he's the, he might be the best player in that draft. And they stole him from the Sixers. The Sixers gave up a first-round pick to switch the three and the one so they could get Markel Fultz number one. And Boston laughed because they were going to take Tatum at one anyway. Oh, okay. So they got Tatum at three, and they got Sacramento Kings, the Sacramento Kings pick next year. So they get Sacramento's pick to just take two spots back and pay less money for the guy they wanted. Right. I mean that's that's rape. Yeah, a little bit. Pardon my French, but that's yeah. They they carried the crap out of that system. <laughs> so I mean Philly got work. They got they got work on that one. But you know I mean you move the two guys who didn't play anyway and bring in Leonard and James. I mean that team that team might win seventy five games. Yeah. That's incredible. That's true. If if you redid that draft, Jason Tatum goes number one or two. Donovan Mitchell goes the other position. I mean, so it's, it's I mean the proof's in the pudding. Jayla Brown has turned out to be a good player. So, but they don't have the money for it. So if he doesn't opt in, you can't sign and trade. So not to bounce around, but is that a Dame Lillard thing still going on? I haven't heard anything about the Lillard trade. Um, a lot of these Lakers trades have kind of dumbed down because everything's going stagnant to see what's going to happen. Uh, the thing Demetrius was talking about is there was a, there was a trade sliding around here where, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Paul Allen, I think his name is the GM of the Sixers, was was not saying that anybody was untouchable. And there was talks after how bad they got beat by the Pelicans with home court. They could blow it up in something where they would move a deal for C.J. McCollum to get Kawhi and they would move Lillard for a guy like Lonzo Kuzma in a pick. Um, so that was just a kind of interesting rumor that was going around. But it's kind of losing steam now. But, I mean, never say never. I don't feel like Lonzo's going anywhere anyway. So. No, I think all these all this talk about if LeBron goes there because of LeVar Ball, they have to trade Lonzo. I don't think I don't think LeBron cares. I don't care about that old man. And we've already seen that the Lakers don't care. They shut him up. Yeah. They don't even talk about him, and he's been Ill, irrelevant. That's true. You know, so I don't. I think people are just they're looking for something to blow out of proportions. Yeah. Um. But with the LeBron thing, I think now that takes Boston out of the equation if he goes to free agency. So that now leaves us Cleveland, Philly, Philly. And the Lakers. And the Lakers. Mm-hmm. If this is all about lifestyle change and doing what's, what he wants for his family, his kids enrolled in an L.A. high school. He's going to L.A. He owns two homes in L.A. He moved Clutch Sports to L.A. with Maverick Carter and, and all those dudes. Uh, Rich Paul, I think, is the other guy that run Clutch Sports, his, his sports agency. Mm-hmm. Um He's been dying to open that crazy million-dollar pizza chain he's made so much money off of in L.A. because they haven't opened anything yet there. He has his entertainment business that he wants to move there. He has an entertainment business? Yeah, he has like a small like movie movie TV production type thing, I believe. Weird. Yeah, this dude is doing it right. He's doing a mobile thing, and he's, he's smart. But you could argue the most successful NBA player after their career is Magic Johnson. Yeah. You know, he's part owner of the Dodgers. Turn them into a success story. Um, you know, he's, he's president of the Lakers. 
you know, what a better guy for LeBron to le- learn on. Yeah, that's very true. I think, I think Philly is is a good destination for him. They won, I think, fifty three games this year, fifty one games, which to me makes me think that they overachieved a little bit. But I think now this year, people are going to be ready for him and expecting it. So if they did it again, it wouldn't be underachieving. I know adding LeBron there makes that team a whole light years better, but I think the problem is LeBron James is a guy who plays with the ball. That's what Ben Simmons does. Ben, say, so is, uh, ben exactly. Simmons. Yeah. Ben Simmons is not a shooter. That's his team, too. He's a guy who drives to the paint and kicks the ball out. So now by bringing in LeBron, you're taking away the, the ball from Ben Simmons. Yeah. I think if I'm Philly, my, my goal is Paul George. You put a you put a perimeter shooter and a great two way player, one of the best defenders in the league, and let Ben Simmons continue to funnel the ball out and give him the ball. Yeah, that's probably the smartest thing to do if you're gonna do that. That's what I do if I'm Philly. I wouldn't give LeBron. Like people say, they might figure it out, but and, everybody's greedy. Sometimes everybody's greedy. They're gonna want the ball. Both of them are gonna want the ball. And and to be fair, you know Ben Simmons is in his second year now, so. You can get away with it. I don't know if they want to stunt the growth, but, you know, he's not going to be the guy to say something. But we all said there's no way Chris Paul and James Harden are going to work together. And they did. Yeah, they're the number one team in the league. And they were a game away from the NBA. They were 3-2 on Golden State until Chris Paul got hurt. And then they got, you know, Steph Curry exposed the rest of the point guards because nobody could defend them. Yeah, that's true. But – you know, that team proved you could do it. So there's plenty of things that could factor in, but... But the thing, Ben Simmons is still young and might get a little jealous or upset. I would I would hope he'd be smart enough to know why it's being done. Well, yeah, but, you know, you never know how people are. You know, yep. you never know how somebody's mentality is when it's like, okay, well, I'm young and I'm a stud in the, in the game, but then all of a sudden this veteran comes in and he's taking your stuff, too. You're kind of like, well, I thought I was the future, but now this guy's taking over. You know yeah. what I mean? It's one of those things. No different than being in a locker room if you're a veteran, like being a wrestler and you're in a veteran or you're a veteran. You see this young kid coming in there, killing it, and they people go to him. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, oh, it's the same thing. And it, it, so it'll be interesting. So I mean, more and more, I think I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna go fifty forty ten right now. I'm gonna go ten percent Sixers. He's gonna go to the Clippers. Forty percent Cavs, fifty percent Lakers. I'm gonna go ninety percent Clippers. <laughs> if he, I should. Kick I'm just. Your I'm ass. kidding. I'm messing with you. I had to do it because Jordan's not on <sighs> anymore. So somebody. I was trying it. to like stop me from coming at me with that. You, where the hell did you get hit with it? Where, where, where do it? Here, I'll walk here. out of here right now. Cut that bitch off. Tetris <laughs> is leaving the building. <laughs> I just. It makes more sense for him to go to the Lakers. It really does. You know what I think the main reason I want this to happen, aside from obviously the Lakers winning? So you're going to tell everybody to F off and watch them become bandwagon fans? No. So you're going to tell them to kick rocks? No. Well, I'm going to do that. That's going to be one of my favorite. I'm going to, I want to like stand outside a stable center and say, LeBron fans this way. Like, y'all can just bounce. As I'm staying, I'm going to have three LeBron jerseys. I love it. And everyone's going to be like, oh, look at you jumping on the bandwagon of LeBron. I'm going to go, no, I didn't jump on the LeBron bandwagon. I'm on the Lakers bandwagon where I've been from day one, whether LeBron's here or not. So y'all can kick rocks and go wear your Cavs and Heat jerseys. 
Because this bandwagon has the caboose detached because we're full. We're full. Get some gear. Get some Lakers gear. I want this to happen because four years ago when he left Miami and the Lakers tried to get him, I said, all right. I was like, oh, you, you think he's going to go? And I said, no. And they said, how do you not think he's going to go? Why don't you have confidence in your team? I said, because he's going to sign and play for the Cavs. But the next time he leaves and tests free agency again, that's when he'll be a Laker. Hmm. Four years later, he's testing free agency again. I just want to make the victory lap. I just want to call everyone and go, I told you. I told you in 2015 when, when he first signed with Cleveland that he was going to come in four years when he's done with Cleveland. I, I want that victory lap as much as I want that Daniel Bryan one. That's why I want him to come because I am selfish. Okay. I want to put myself over. Selfish and petty. That's what that I is. am. I I want to. petty. I told. I'm gonna find the sound clip from 2015 when I said it. Petty. I'm gonna play it every every single. Sh- it's gonna get played more than the Bridgewater to the quad. Try hit the quad. Even though I had to get rid of that because Teddy's gone now. Hey Teddy. Hey Teddy. Teddy. Oh. That just. I can't wait. What? You got beef? No, I got no beef. Catch me outside. How about that? <laughs> Here goes Tetris. He's going to go. He's out. Tetris has left the building. Keep going, potty. Um, I'm, just, I'm just saying, guys, I, I think it happens. But I'm going to be fair. If he doesn't go, and if the Lakers strike out, I'm not mad. They bring back Julius Randle, and you have that same nucleus with Kuzma, Hart, Thomas Bryant. Uh, you got Lonzo. You got Mo Wagner coming in now, too, which was a nice pick. Uh, you know, you could bring back some of these guys in one-year deals again. Isaiah Thomas, Contavious Caldwell, Pope, Brooke Lopez. There's a lot you could do that is really intriguing. And you could really do some damage. They, you know, they were a 37-win team last year. Who's to say they can't win more? Who's to say they can't get to 500? I think this team's really got a chance. I think they can really do something. I'm really excited for this. Um, I wanted to break down more of the draft, but Jordan stepped away. He had some family issues, so we didn't do it. Uh, Saturday night, 10 p.m. Central Standard Time, we will be doing a live 12 draft special for NBA – not a draft special, excuse me, an NBA free agency special. So we're going to knock that out. We'll talk a little NBA draft in the first hour of that before free agency kicks off. What is this going on? Uh, Saturday night, we will be on an hour before and an hour into free agency. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Belgium, let's go on Thursday. But we're going to end the show. No, Demtra's got something. We're not going to end the show. Oh, I like this. I like because it. I have to give a huge shout out to my boy Martin Saint Louis for making Ooh. the Hall of Fame. Ladies and gentlemen, good call. What guy? What was it like? Seven years ago, maybe longer than that, that you got me into hockey and you showed me this um, little five foot something man it flying was around the ice. Two thousand five. It was the year Carolina beat the Oilers in seven games. Jeez. 
Because it was the year after the lockout. 2005. The lockout, I think, it was 2006. It was 2007. Was it? It was the year after the lockout because they did the, uh, the they, they implemented the shootout rule, and we went to that preseason game against the the, the Coyotes when they had David Lenevu. God, if it was 2007, that's 11 years ago. Let's see. When did the NHL start the shootout? Uh, oh yeah, because the first game we went to it was the. Um, they showed the preseason rules or, or the the um, they yep. showed the rules and everything. I, me, you, and Joe. The 2005-2006 season is because when we were living over on the Gershwin house, we hadn't yeah. even gotten here yet, yeah. and we watched the Wild uh, destroy Lenevo. Yeah, David. They won the game like six nothing to begin with, and but, that was the first night that I came and fell in love with hockey because Ryan here, our amazing host. Started a sh- a, a, a sieve chant that actually picked up. I didn't know what was going on, but everybody was yelling sieve at Lenevu. I got into it. Joe got into it. Everybody got into it. But uh, no, he showed me one of my heroes, uh, Marty Saint Louis, Tampa Bay Lightning, number twenty six. Man was amazing. Even though we're mad that you went to the Rangers, Trader Joe's. Yeah, Sorry. I can forgive you for that. You're you're joining Ryan's boy Solani in the Hall of Fame. Yes. Marty, my man. Thank you for getting me into this game, Ryan. Thank you for getting me into hockey. Other guys too, Marty Brodeur. Yes, Brodeur, Marty Brodeur. one of the best goalers we've ever seen. Brodeur is in there. Uh, amazing. I can't remember the gentleman's name. I should. The first black hockey player, Willie O'Ree. Yes, is played in the for Hall the Bruins. Yes, but man, that that's huge for me because for some odd reason I didn't think Marty was going to be in the Hall of Fame. And I don't know why Men was a stud, but he's in the Hall of Fame, and that that's huge. You know, before we close the show down, I had to bring that up. I was going to bring that up when we had Chris on, but... You know, and, and for everybody that boos Gary Bettman, who also made it in, I got to say mm-hmm. this. Gary Bettman, uh, it's his 25th season as commissioner. He joins uh, Pete Rozelle, the NFL uh, commissioner, as the only active commissioner to be inducted in the Hall of Fame. Um. There's been three lockouts with Gary Bettman. I've lived through all three of them. Has it been three? Yep. I thought it was only two. There was, well, we've had two since I've yeah. known you. Okay. okay. Um, but there was that short 1999 or 2001 season or whatever it was. But Bettman took the job in 93. League-wide revenues were about $400 million. Mm. Um, projected revenues for this season are $4.54 billion. So, I mean, you know, he's he's improved revenue 10 times forward. The league's also grown from 24 to 31 teams. And that's crazy, too, because we always, like, say how they don't market the league or nothing. He's doing something. Yeah. Right. It's, like, there's something's happening. It's I'm selfish is my problem. He's he's done a good job. The, the proof's in the pudding. But I hold those lockouts against him. Because you're still the boss, and these people went on strike because they didn't like what you were doing for them. So I, I'm always going to hold that against them. You stopped us from having hockey. Um, but also, the fact that I still don't think he, I think he could be, I think it could be bigger. Yeah, there's. That's be my problem. I will not discredit the amount that he's done for this league. He has made this league incredibly relevant in He's America. Something. It's just like you have like personalities like Crosby, Ovechkin. You got, God, you have a... P.K. Subban is hilarious. You have all those guys and you're not marketing them. It, it hurts. And I mean, and here's what gets me too, is like they were, they were marketing Subban at the ESPYs because he's dating Lindsey Vaughn now. 
Speaking of women, Superman. they're inducting a, a, um, a woman into yeah, the Yeah, Hepford, I think is her name. Yeah. Jamie Hepford. Jamie Hepford. Yeah. Katie, yeah. Katie hockey player. Yeah, so, like, I kind of want to watch the ceremony. I yeah. have to watch the ceremony. It's for in Marty. November Okay, is when it'll be. But, no, like, hockey should be much bigger than what it is, especially in the state of Minnesota. And it's it hurts my feelings where, you know, I get it just because of marketing. I work at Lid, so, you know, I saw the hats around and you used to work there, too. But now you come into my store, the only thing I have for hockey is the wild. Yeah. Local stuff. You know, I can't even find, like, Tampa anywhere or anything else. It's just, why? We're the state of hockey. Why are we not getting that product out? Like, mm-hmm. why is it not a, a focused point? Hockey is amazing. Yeah. And it's and that's where, like, I, I mean, they're doing some of the things right. And we're, doing something we're right. seeing more diversity. I mean, if you... If you look at TSN's top 100 prospects going into this year's draft, I think in the top 40 players, there was, you know, I I want to say 10 of them weren't weren't white dudes. That's, That's an incredible so number. Awesome. You know, and I I know some people might be like, well, what does that mean? Okay, the NBA draft in the top 30. If if I were to tell you 10 of them were white dudes, you'd be like, huh? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's just it's. It's it's becoming more diverse and it's good because that's the one thing the NHL. If you put the you know some of these guys who are natural athletes and you throw them on skates, it'd be it's it's tremendous what they could do. Mm-hmm. So we're we're seeing it more in in cities and it's becoming wider and it's becoming better and it's just it's, it just needs that slight kick in the ass. Yeah, and it's crazy too because like. I'm not. You played hockey, so you know how it is. But hockey's an expensive sport, mm-hmm. like all that equipment and everything. But now, like the league is doing things where they're donating to urban, yep. you know, communities and everything like that. So you know, a lot of you know, African Americans or whatever you want to say, they're playing it and they're enjoying it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are watching it. Like you can go back to that one fan. What was it? What, what was that team where they brought him to his first? Oh, the blue, game? the guy in the blue. Is, yeah, and he was like, "This is lit." Yeah, and he's tweeting. Like, there was something called a power play, and he, you know, that dude had a good time. And then they had Brett Hall call him, and he was all jacked. Yeah, like so many. Like you got all the Subans. You got a Vander Kane. Yep. Four you know Subans, I mean? by the way. Four Subans. You got Bufflin. You got uh, look at Devonte Smith Pelly got the game tying goal in the Stanley Cup final to win the game. Man, you have. God, you got a lot of Dumba. You know, uh, Bellamar also on on uh, the Vegas. Yeah. So there's you know two two guys in the, in the, the cup, and it's 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 all the exposure. It's a lot more diverse. I think that's where that's where the miss is. There's not the exposure, you know. And and once again, you bring up the guy on the Blues that that guy who just turned on to watch it. And once he started watching it, he's like, "Oh my God, this is incredible." He's like, I can't believe what these guys are doing. They brought him to a game. Yeah. Like, I got a jersey, went to a game. Like, you know, and, and it just, that, you know, it's the problem, like, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to equate this to pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. Look, at, look at what happened. Now, now, you know, as somebody before, before you got into hockey, what was your thought of hockey? It was boring. Yeah. I didn't watch it. I don't want to watch I that. Stand it. I don't care about that. I tried to watch it on TV. I couldn't do it. Yeah, this is stupid. No. This is a little white boy sport. I don't want to watch this. I don't want to watch the NBA. That's kind of how I feel about baseball. <laughs> well, that's fine. Just a lot of people feel that way. <laughs> Dodgers. 
But um, look, you know, my co-host on WrestleCast, Alex Mello. I hate indie wrestling. I hate non WWE wrestling. It sucks. It's boring. Yeah. I went with, you know, I brought him to a Dragon Gate USA show. And he's like, oh, my God, what did I see? Because he saw it live and was just, mine was blown. Yeah. I got him into New Japan. Yeah. And now look at him. It's all about exposing people to something they're not used to seeing. I mean, you got Jordan into New Japan. He talks mm-hmm. about Osprey and everything all the time. Look at how I've gotten with, you know, since I've opened myself up to, to you know, Joshi. Mm-hmm. I'm all in Tokyo Joshi Pro to the point I spent hours trying to show you all these two. Temptress, you gotta see this. Temptress, you gotta see this. Oh, you gotta new, see her. I have a new wrestling crush. Yeah, because of that. you know, you, you gotta you gotta see all these people. You gotta see me. me uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm like, oh, look at the mirror clans. You know, look at look at these chicks. Look at a uh, look at a uh, um, you know uh, uh, the Neo Bashiki Goon. Like, look at all these women. You know, mm-hmm. um, look at Stardom. I gotta show you this match with. Uh, Tam Tam Nakano and Io Shirai with Kagetsu and uh, yeah. and uh, Naoya uh, Sumiri, I think her name is. You know, like because I got all into it and I never exposed myself to what I just kind of knew. And and then literally, I'm like, you gotta see this, you gotta see this. And what I did with Alex on WrestleCast, which you didn't get to hear unless you podcasted it. Alex, you gotta watch this LA Park versus match from the uh, the Super Viernes uh, Spectacular. From the CMLL show on the 22nd. Like, I, I watched it. We reviewed that show. Like, it's all about exposure, and they're exposing more people than NHL, and that's why it's getting more popular. Yeah. It's just people aren't seeing it. I just don't understand why they didn't, they didn't do it that year, where they had all the cool commercials with Ovechkin and Cross. That was one that of the was best the things. perfect prime time to do it. Jeremy Roenick was laying so in the good. bed, and they're like, what is Jeremy Roenick doing in our bed? He's here to tell us that the NHL is back. Oh, was that the same commercial where she's like, turn off the light and he hits it with a hockey yeah, stick? Yeah, it with yeah, a stick. Yeah, so good. That was the year we, like, we started the Buffalo Sabres season. Uh, it's like, come on, you guys have this in the palm of your hands. Why are you not? Mm-hmm. But that's the end of my rant. That's all I wanted. Congrats to my boy, Marty Saint-Louis. Yeah, no, it's, I, I'm glad you brought it up because I forgot. Mm. I forgot. Love. Um, Love. Where do you think John Tavares goes? I'm still saying Tampa. Oh, if he goes... I'm like Tampa still. I. I'm going to say this right now as a Tampa fan to a Tampa fan. By me throwing that at you, yes. I don't mean to blow any smoke up your ass if it doesn't even come close to happening. When we had Chris Ransom on, he didn't even list them as a team. I don't think he likes Tampa. Um, I don't want him on the show anymore. But to my defense, Vince McMahon mics my chair. There's a lot of things I get right. Yeah, this is true. If in NHL and NBA free agency... I get to walk away with LeBron James and John Tavares. The victory lap that I'm going to have, Demetrius, is going. I'm going to bring like a banner. I'm going to. I'm going to fly to Philly and run the steps like Rocky just to do it. I will actually allow this because that would be awesome. That would be hilarious, dude. I mean, it's. It's. Who was the other team that people were thinking about? He was going to go to. Who? Tavares. Ah, King Sharks. Uh, were we in there for a minute? The there wild? was talks that we could, but we're not going to do it. Yeah, they probably I think Dallas is one, no, Toronto's no. one, Montreal's one. I think the Islanders and Rangers. I can see them going to like the Rangers. Everybody goes to the Rangers for some reason. Rangers got rid of my, Ryan McDonough too to the Lightning to make room. So I mean, or Dallas. People like to go to Dallas. All I'm saying is, if I get to Bears, LeBron and Paul George, right? 
I'm gonna leave you guys leave you guys with this man. Coming back next week. Get my love. Stop there. Stop. 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 Stop